Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, you brave the cold weather. Somebody asked me, are you, are you cold, Pastor Phil? Out there, on the, out there at the front, shaking hands. And I said, no, I'm not cold. Because when I became a Canadian citizen, I received antifreeze in my blood. No way. I am now a beaver chasing individual. So um, I, don't, I won't carry on with that. Otherwise, my wife may, may say, oh, Phil, don't get carried away. How are you feeling? You good? Yeah? Good, good to be in the house of the Lord and good to um, thank you, Zach, for leading us so well. We're going to uh, continue with our series on the questions that Jesus asked. And to start off, I'd like to take our Bibles and before I teach this, I'm teaching on the question of healing. And of course, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 46, a story you know well. And let me just read some words here where Jesus meets uh, a beggar named Bartimaeus, of course, the blind beggar. And when, verse 47, when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What a beautiful prayer. That's actually called the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ. And if ever you are feeling low, if ever you are feeling as if you need to connect with God, as if ever you are feeling as if you are struggling, this prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. It's just a beautiful prayer to pray over and over again. When you're feeling troubled, when you're feeling struggling, and somehow through these words, historically in Scripture and the ancient church, these words have meant so much. It's, it's actually called the prayer of Jesus. Many were, were sternly telling him, sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Isn't it amazing how people always like to keep people quiet when they're going to Jesus? And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called him. The blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus and answered him. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began to follow him on the road. What an amazing story. But when you look at this and you understand the context of this, I am fascinated by the engagement that is taking place, the partnership. And when we've been talking about Jesus, the great questions, we've been thinking about this theme, it is these questions, thank you, it's these questions that Jesus asks, and he says to him, what do you want from me? Why are you calling so frantically? Why are you? And, and as I step into the subject of healing this morning, 
and the question around healing. We've had different questions, questions around love, the questions around our identity. We've looked at the questions of Jesus, and as we think about the question about healing, the one thing I want you to notice by way of introduction in this text is that Jesus is engaging in partnership and communication with this individual and asking him and responding to him and there is a a synergy and a connection that takes place. That is incredibly important when we think about the question of healing because it is a partnership. It is us reaching out to God, God reaching out to to us and, and understanding and yet the subject itself can be, you know, quite controversial because we kind of know that the Bible talks about healing and Christ's power to heal and intellectually we believe it, but very often we find it difficult to connect to the reality of healing and what that means. And it's an interesting journey as we walk with the Lord. But the one thing I do want to say at the beginning is this, you know, it is so So important that we listen to the voice of the Spirit no matter what we're traveling through. It's so important that we understand God's presence because human medicine today often just sort of turns us into mechanical or biological machines. And the answer is always a pill. The answer is always, you know, uh, medical treatment. And certainly the Bible is not against medical treatment. Jesus himself spoke about doctors, that he, he spoke about them. Uh, a doctor traveled, of course, with the Apostle Paul. Jesus used doctors in his illustrations when he talked about, about you know, when somebody's sick, they call for a doctor, etc. He understood it, he, he saw it. And of course, one of the names for Jesus is the great physician. And Christianity has been driven by a desire to heal, whether it's his in medicine, opening hospitals, whether it has been in, in praying with people and connecting. We, what we mustn't do is separate the kind of biological, mechanical part of who we are and the spiritual engagement that God has made us spiritual and we have this unique relationship with God. I, I went to the doctors just after we had the twins. My body, I was exhausted and... <laughs> Not because that Michelle did it far better. She was, but I, I, I was I was running church. I had uh, so much going on. I was a new pastor, uh, running in a, a new church situation. Uh, we had twins, uh, and and they needed, you know, it needed. I needed changing, feeding, organizing, and that was just the congregation I was leading, and all of that. Bum. And so I remember, I mean, I was, I don't know, my body was aching, whether, whatever it was. And I went to see my doctor in England. And I went in and he looked at me, asked me loads of questions. Have you noticed that actually doctors ask lots of questions? How are you feeling, you know? on a scale one to 10. How is this moving forward? What, what do you think about that? And, and they ask these questions and so on. And, and, and at the end of the conversation, he looked at me and he said, well, you're a preacher, aren't you? A pastor? I said, yeah. He said, well, do you believe in the power of prayer? 
I said, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, then go and pray. I'm going to prescribe to you two weeks of prayer every day so that, and if you don't see a change, come back to me. But if you do see a change, let me know. How do you feel about that? I, no, I was offended. Um, I was like, I've come, I've come for a tablet. His name was Dr. Gallimore, and he was a Methodist lay preacher in Birmingham, England. And he looked at me and he said, go, go on then. I'm, I want you to go and pray. <laughs> I felt a little, bit, a little bit frustrated. And I went away anyway. I took his, his prescription, pray every day. Hand over your burdens to God, seek his face, and I didn't have to go back to him. And it was, it was a lovely moment, and it made me illustrate, and by that I'm not saying, you know, throw away your medicines and this and that. What I am saying is that we have to understand that he was driving, he knew something deeper was going on within me, and he knew that it would only be solved by a relationship with God. And, and, we, and when we go through sickness and we're seeking healing and when we face challenges in life, what we must understand is that this is a relationship. This is a partnership. That's why in most cases in the gospel accounts, Jesus is asking questions. What do you want? Why have you come? Where are you going? What is happening? There is a partnership that takes place where the divine meets the human, where God is there and there is an interaction action that takes place because we know <coughs> that Jesus didn't heal everybody the um this the Paul at Bethsaida I've stood there I've been there and of course he walked in and all amongst those sick people he went to one individual and he prayed with that individual who had been lame for 38 years that individual was healed and then <coughs> moved on he didn't heal everybody that was there. We know that. We know that in, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul prayed three times. He had a thorn in the side, which was a physical ailment that he was battling with. And he said, Lord, I want you to take this physical ailment away. Three times. And the Lord said to him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So whatever was going on and whatever was happening in the Apostle Paul's body, and of course the Apostle Paul historically we know was, you know, so, so history tells us, you know, I don't know about these things. Um, you know, he, he was injured, he had pains, and actually he was cross-eyed, some writers have said. Imagine that, that when he used to preach, he'd look forward and a person over there and a person over there would repent. And he was amazing. But he said, Lord, I've got this pain in my body. I've got this battle. I've got this going on. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. But the Lord said, no. I'm, I'm in this journey with you. And my grace, my presence is with you in that difficulty. Partnership. That when we go through sickness and we go through pain, it's about listening to the voice of the Spirit. It's about that partnership. 
of knowing God's presence. And it's, it's confusing. I mean, I know in my own family life, I know that my own wife was miraculously healed at the age of 13. And she was given a death sentence that she would, would die by the time she was 20 years old. And that was remarkable. And as a result of that, her whole family became Christians because I've told you the story perhaps before. Because of an Anglican prayer group that were praying for that little girl and praying that something would happen in her life. Because they believed if a miracle happened in, in her life and that family became Christians, then it would change. And it was like a moment. And if you don't know the story, she actually ended up as a little girl on front of National Enquirer magazine and got 50 pounds sent to her. Very exciting. I mean, who ends up in the front of National Enquirer apart from Will and Megan? But, and all of that, but it was quite a thing. It was on the local news. It was remarkable. And yet I know that my brother-in-law suffered with mental illness, was hospitalized, would never be released. And we fasted and prayed for 18 months, two years for his mental health. And it was a battle, and it was petition, and it was hard. Until one day he was released. And today he cooks for the Alpha Group in church back in England. And he's actively involved in church life. It was amazing. But then I prayed for my father-in-law who had cancer and I watched him slip away into the glories of God and the healing never came. What's going on? And then I prayed for my niece who gave her life fully to Christ recently and has experienced a radical change of direction after a decade of prayer. It's a confusing, isn't it? It's, it's hard, but when we understand what, what God is doing and we're in partnership with God and we're praying, the one thing is, and let's, let's jump into this a little bit, the gifts of healing. The reason why we have healing in the New Testament is because God himself is compassionate towards people. And this is why the church from its very inception has always been involved in hospitals, in healing, in life, in getting involved, in praying for people, in caring for the sick and the needy. Because we know that Christ modeled this immense care towards people and he is full of a heart of compassion. And when he went ashore, he saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. God's heart is one of compassion, but why does healing take place? Well, healing takes place for one reason and one reason only. It takes place because it is about glorifying God and giving glory to God. It's not about celebrity. It's not about healers. It's not about personalities. It's about the moments and the beauty when Jesus comes to somebody and does a remarkable moment of healing, and there we know. Well, where is the glory? The glory is to God because it is a gift of God. It is the grace of God and it is something that is beautiful and remarkable. It's about glorifying him. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. It's talking about Lazarus. It's about the glory of God. I think sometimes the danger is, is that when we look at healing, 
uh, we think it's about our glory or our power. And we think it's all about this. It's nothing to do with that. It's about that partnership between Jesus and that person. And God uses us at times to pray for people to see a difference, to see something take place. It's about glorifying. So it's God is compassionate. It's about glorifying God to open doors to evangelism. It's about spreading the good news. And whenever I get an opportunity to pray for somebody that has no faith and to pray for them, it's remarkable at times what God does. It's remarkable about the moments of what happens, even in the smallest things. You know, when you're talking to people and you're, you're, you're witnessing and sharing the good news of Jesus, to pray for somebody, say, can I pray for you? And sometimes I think we forget that we think it's down to us always to have the power, that we've got to work it up, that we've got to have the faith. No, what we've got to simply do is invite the presence of the Lord Jesus to come and just to pray in simple faith as the scriptures show us and that we can bless people and pray for people and we can encourage them in their sickness, in their illness, and we can bring them hope and we can bring them life and people do become Christians they become Christians when we pray for the sick it's it happens even it's strange that I go and pray with people in hospital and maybe they're not healed and yet there is such a beautiful moment of the presence of God that God does something remarkable just something beautiful and I want to encourage you as a people that you'll reach out. That when you've got friends who are ill and sick, as many of us do, that we won't stop praying. We won't stop believing. In fact, most of our requests on our prayer site come through for people who are struggling physically, are battling against diseases, are having problems, and they want the church to be a praying church. They want the church to believe that Jesus can turn up at those divine moments and do something remarkable. They want us to be believing and praying that actually the ministry of Jesus for compassion, the ministry of Jesus for glorifying the Father, the ministry of Jesus. Jesus for evangelism can actually make all the difference. I remember, I, I, this is a little funny story, I led a, a punk rocker. Do you remember punk rockers with all the studs and everything? I, I, you know, there was a time when I looked quite cool. And, and I, I had spiked hair and I, I had like, I looked like, you know, it was, it was the 80s. And, and there was this punk called Mick the Punk. And he was just like he had, he had studs where you shouldn't have studs. Um, and he had real spiked hair and he was always like angry and, and, and frustrated. And, and I went and sat with him once in the marketplace and I was just chatting to him about, and he was, he was swearing, he was going, you Christians, you Christians are this, you get the picture. And, and so um, it was a hot summer's day and... and, and Actually, what happened, a wasp landed on his, um, on his neck, and then it stunk him. Uh, we shouldn't laugh, I know. Uh, and it was like, he thought somebody had put a cigarette on his neck. And he jumped up, he's like, wow, oh, you, you did that, you Christians, you did that. And he said, it's a wasp. And he was like, you imagine this spiky punk walking all around going berserk. And, 
I said, all right, Mick, settle down. Oh, I'm in so much pain. I said, do you want me to pray for you, mate? He goes, all right then. So I prayed for him. I was really inside. I was praying. What am I doing praying for a wasp thing? <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> Take a time and all. <laughs> like, honestly, why am I doing this? And I started praying for Mick. And I prayed. I said, Lord. And he looked at me and said, what did you do? I said, I just prayed for you. He said, the pain's gone. Inside, I was like, Phew. Um, and then we talked and talked and I invited him to come on a Christian camp with us that was hilarious and, and there at that Christian, Christian camp Mick the Punk gave his life to Jesus Christ it was amazing evangelism it was a bit random I'll be honest it was a bit strange you know but it was a beautiful moment and uh, I think now I, don't, I heard recently he'd passed on but I know where he is. And, and through that little moment in evangelism, God just did something. So we, we pray for people because of compassion. We pray for people because we want to glorify God. We pray for people because of evangelism. We pray for healing in response to repentance. And we're coming up to take communion. But in the context of communion, uh, it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, 29, it says that that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. He's talking about the church. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about them coming to the sacred moment of communion. And as they come to communion, they are coming without examining themselves. They're coming without humility. They're coming in the wrong attitude. They're carrying anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. And we know that there's nothing worse than unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and, and frustration that can actually affect us physically and emotionally within our lives. And yet, the Apostle Paul writes, you know, when you come to communion, just take a moment. Confess everything. Just confess. Just learn to let go of the areas of your life where you're in rebellion. Get right with God. And then come with the right attitude, with the right heart, with the right devotion. Because actually a lot of you in your churches are coming to the Lord's table, to the bread and the wine, with an attitude that is wrong. And as a result, among you, you are now weak. And you're actually physically sick. Because you've not got that intimate partnership and relationship with God. You're not dealing with those issues. I think sometimes... We can forget that in our own lives, we can pick up so much garbage and so much junk. And I guess Dr. Gallimore was right. I needed to get with God and I needed to pray because actually the physical ailments were more to do with my heart and the stress and not dealing with things and trying to do it all on my own rather than doing it in partnership with God. Just be open. 
just understand. In response to faith. And Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Oh, God loves faith. He loves it. You know, God has the ability to heal and God has the will to heal. And he responds to us by faith. And this is another part of the mystery. That, you know, when we come in persistence and we come praying and we come battling, we come by faith. And we want faith. We want the gift of faith. It's not something I can demand, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. It's something to do with that intimacy between heaven and earth and between our closeness to Christ and understanding what God is doing in the midst of our situation, in the midst of this sickness, in the midst of this, and inviting God's voice, but also asking for a gift of faith, a gift that will come that you will feel, you will know, not something you need to, need to kind of work up. It's something that is beautiful, that is natural, as we just allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to work amongst us in our lives and to be present. Prayed for a lot of people who have battled with cancer. One in three, of course, will be touched by cancer in lives. And I always promise when I pray for somebody with cancer that the way that I will pray will be this. I will not give up. And I will wrestle and fight it and pray and believe and keep battling for that person until either they're clear or they receive their final healing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I've got to fight. You see, often in prayer, we have to petition. We have to knock on the door. We have to come. We want to know what God is saying through this. We want to know what God is doing. I've met some very brave people. I mean, we prayed, uh, comes to mind, we prayed for... Level four cancer for uh, Pete. You heard the testimony of Tracy uh, and, and Pete. And, and he was like, that was it, stage four. And of course, we prayed and prayed as a church for him. He was, was 57 and prayed for healing and prayed for that. And, and through the wonder of, 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 of medical science and through the amazing prayers of the church of God, you know, we saw that man come through to become cancer-free. It's amazing. And then I prayed for another woman who came through and she, was, she got, became, had remission. And then she went back into cancer. And, and she was praying and seeking God. And I remember seeing her the last time before she passed. But she said, many months before, she said, the Lord has told me, it is time for me to go home and that my work is done. So I'm not going to go forward with extra, extra um, kind of clinical and, and, and treatments. I'm just going to trust the Lord and I know that, I, that it's time. Now, she just decided that this was time for her. And she died beautifully in the presence of Jesus. And she chose, it was a pretty steep diagnosis, and 
She's, I remember her saying, and it really unnerved me in a beautiful way, because she was so close to Jesus that she just knew at this point it was time to close her eyes and wake up in the arms of the Father, rather than go for another three months of chemo. And you know, she chose that, which she thought probably wouldn't work. But she just stepped back after years of prayer warrior, after years of church service. She said, it's time, as it were, for my chariot to come. And I found that incredibly humbling. That there was that, Jesus appeared to her, it was like this moment, and there was a partnership, and a beauty, and an amazing thing. But yes, there are times when, when we, God responds to our faith. And says yes, and, and delights in our faith. Because God is, God is able. He says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. I believe I am is able. One of our elders, Janet Courtney, many of us remember, we fasted and prayed and prayed for her with her journey of cancer. But I remember her saying to me, and she says it publicly, I said to the Lord, whatever thy will be, if this is my way and my time to be in your presence, I am ready. But if this is a moment to glorify God and do a healing, I am ready. And I chose to seek God first. And we know the end of that story. God delighted in faith. God responded. But so often be aware that when people go, it's an exact science. You need to just do this. You, it's, gotta, it's your sin. You've got to, you know, you haven't got enough faith. If, if condemnation comes on us as the people of God in that way, and it's down to our faith and our belief to, to pull a rabbit out of a hat, that's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is our relationship with Jesus. It's so real that we listen to God's voice. And yet that's the hardest thing. That we actually say, oh Lord, what are you doing in, with me at this time of sickness? What do you want to do? How do you want to work? Is there a plan in this? And I've met beautiful people who have traveled through cancer um, therapy and, and they've treated it as a gift where they can witness and share the love of Jesus to as many people as possible. I'm talking, you know, theory here. I've never been there. But I've met people that rather than that they've gone into it with a sense of God's presence and God's heart. Beware of pulling rabbits out of hats, but be aware that God does respond to our faith. He's able to heal. Do you believe that I am able? Yes. And, and it means that God is willing to heal. Yes. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cured of leprosy. So what, as we close, 
I want you to understand that Jesus commissioned us to pray for healing. It's up to God to do the rest. He commissioned us to believe and to pray. And no doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And our mission is still the same as a church. That we want to care for the sick. We want to bless the sick. We want to pray for the sick. We want to call for the elders. We want to lay on hands. We want to pray. We want to seek God's voice in the middle of sickness. And we want to invite the kingdom of God to come. It's Jesus' mission. It's Jesus' teaching. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advanced and forceful men lay hold of it. Jesus taught us to pray. Of course, there were towns he would go to, Nazareth, his hometown. He couldn't do many miracles because people lacked the faith. And it's certainly true that when a church is a church of prayer and a church is a church of belief, that God is at work amongst us. And we need to believe for that, that amongst us, God will do those signs and those wonders that make us glorify God and give thanks to God, like the ones I've named I want to be part of a church where the Spirit of God is present and where we see remarkable moments. But I've also seen remarkable moments when I've journeyed with, last year, with a, one of my closest friends, 47 years old, young lady I've known since I was 17, as I journeyed with her through her journey of sickness until that day when she closed her eyes and gave her life to Jesus. I don't have the answer. But I do know that the presence of Jesus was there all the way. So Jesus taught this. And Jesus' teachings. If any one of you is sick... He should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Coming back to that inner life, What's going on inside of you, that spiritual dimension, and seeking God and calling for the elders. To one there is given through the Spirit the gift of healing. It is, notice the word gifts. And whenever the question of healing comes up and I'm invited or you're invited to pray for somebody, realize that it is the gifts. There's not... It is a gift for that moment, for that situation, for that person. It's a gift. It's a remarkable gift. And if we're so wonderfully um, invited into that moment and we see the gift released, what a blessing that is. What a humility. What a beautiful, beautiful moment. It's a gift. Jesus teaches, three times I pleaded of coming back to this 
Lord, to take away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may be rest upon me. Even when we, if we're sick, we want to look for Christ's power to rest upon us, to be with us. Because the truth is, Phil Collins, I can't argue with my birth certificate. I'm going to die one day. I'm going to get sick one day. I'm going to die. Unless, of course, the Lord returns. We've always got to say that as Christians. <laughs> but it's true. But, but I'm going to die. You know, I am not the same man I was 10 years ago. Facebook reminds me of that all the time. I, I, I reposted a, a picture of me with the, the girls and everything from about 12 years ago. A picture of me with the girls and my little family. And everybody was going, wow, you look so young. You look amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Facebook. Defriend you. And, <laughs> and Michelle looked at me. Oh, you look, you look, yeah. You've changed a bit, haven't you? Yeah, I've got old, okay? <laughs> my back's aching. I'm actually using my insurance to go to the physiotherapist because I, I, can't, because I can't argue. I have glasses now. <sighs> Poor me. So there's that in it as well. But what does it tell me? It tells me that I need to live this way. Although I can't understand it all, I want to pray as a good shepherd with people who are ill. We want to pray and support each other in our small groups and battle together. And of course, there are those moments when there's a prayer of command. And Peter said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. There's that moment, that divine moment, when God does something remarkable. And you just, in the name of Jesus. And sometimes we do use a prayer of command. You feel that strength, you feel that, you know, in a way that is respectful. But when you're receiving prayer, sometimes you do feel a confidence to bring a prayer of command. So often I live in this place, a prayer of petition. Rare, there are moments of command, but I live in a prayer of petition. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I petition, I petition, I petition. I keep knocking on the door. I keep praying for that, that person. I keep believing for that situation. I keep praying. I keep knocking. I don't give up. I don't give up. And that's the heart of somebody that is truly one to say we need to be that people. Let's not give up. There are children I'm praying for now that I'm not giving up on to the very end. So we learn to 
listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We pray for people in the way that the Holy Spirit leads. Yes, at times we anoint with oil. We lay hands on people, as Scripture says, and pray as the Holy Spirit leads. We stop and see if there's any change. Keep in touch. We always end with a blessing. But you see, this may be, this isn't just about a one-off moment. This is a lifestyle, the kind of disciples we are of Jesus. That if you're in pain, I bet it's so good to have a group of people around that praying for you, right? If you're battling, get that prayer support. Listen to the voice of Jesus, step by step. Let's stand together. We are the body of Christ. And if you are able to take your communion and if you've picked up, there are two cups and you just take the one cup out and the, there's a, a bread underneath. I'm acutely aware that when you speak on a subject like this, you can go for the sensational, sensational, sensational. When Jesus is allowed to work, he can do the sensational. He doesn't need me. I don't need to manufacture anything. If we are a praying church, a loving church, a church led by the Spirit, then things are going to happen amongst us, and they have and do. I want more to happen, so much more. I want to see more happening. But I do know that God is compassionate and that he responds to our faith. So pause and examine yourself. Father, forgive us when we intellectually believe that there can be those beautiful gifts of healing. But Lord, so often spiritually, we're, there's a disconnection. And we're sorry, Lord. Help us all to go a little farther, a little deeper. To know the presence of God. presence of God will always be present whether we are carrying sickness or not your voice your presence will be with those today we thank you that healing is in the atonement because resurrection is in the atonement Lord and one day every one of us will be raised from the dead and we will live eternally there is ultimate healing in the new creation hallelujah 
And so, Father, we remember, we take the bread and we remember that on that day you were betrayed. You took bread and you broke it, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. Friends, remember now all that Christ has done for you and eat and remember in Jesus' name, the body of Christ. same manner he poured out the cup saying this is the blood of the new covenant that takes away the sins of the world you are forgiven you are clean you are renewed because of the blood of Jesus drink being a Christian <laughs> I do I love it the best thing that ever happened to me in the whole of my life was the day I invited Jesus into my life to change me yeah amen love it and one day you might be praying for me when I'm um, sick and, um, and I look forward to that prayer of faith and one day I'll be praying for you and I look forward to that, yes? And we love each other and we support each other and we look for God's voice in all circumstances. Come on, family. Uh, I've got elders here and prayer people. Um, couldn't preach this without having a time. If you need prayer, support, family members, anything, I'm going to invite uh, the elders to come and pastors and prayer people to come at the front through the song and beyond the song and come and get prayer and thank you next week I'm preaching on the question of abundance how do we live in abundance and live in a um, in that way so bless you thank you for coming